Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Our Cracked Rackets team is so excited to be kicking off our coverage of the 2021 ITA season. As we like to do every year, we have launched our College Contender Series. We are going to be ranking our top 10, or as you have learned, top 11 teams heading into this 2021 season. Of course, we're going to be writing about each of those teams, interviewing their head coaches, and of course, sharing our thoughts on the podcast here today and joining me as they will be throughout this series as they always do when it's this time of the year. Let's start with the senior of our group. Of course, you know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames and of course, most importantly, a lover of Almond Joys, Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I mean, gosh, back-to-back days, uh, you know, getting talk college tennis and breaking news. Oh, let's get going, Alex. Oh, it is going to be an exciting podcast, folks. And yes, as Chris is alluding to, we have some breaking news to get to even before we preview our team on this show. But of course, it wouldn't be a preview podcast if we didn't have the third member of our college tennis holy trinity you know him as your favorite writer on our website crackedrackets.com although I don't know if I can say that anymore because some of our other writers might start to get mad at me but he's my favorite writer on our website crackedrackets.com of course the former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net the man we affectionately refer to here as Matt the Cracks the Koyak Maddie hey great shot welcome back to the show how are you doing today Doing great, man. I appreciate that introduction as always, and uh, th- this is going to be a fun one. We got a little bit of breaking news we'll get into here, and then we get to talk about your favorite, beloved Michigan Wolverines. So you know I've been waiting for this one, man. Chris and I have both been ready. You see the Michigan jacket I'm wearing as we're recording this. I've got Michigan shorts on. Even my boxers have an M on them, although that, of course, is a sweat stain. Nevertheless, yes, we are going to be talking about the University of Michigan on today's podcast. But as you are both alluding to, we have some breaking news. So before we get into anything else, Westoff, hit me with the breaking news sound effect, please. You know, it's always a good day on the podcast when we, you know, we're scheduled to start at 8. We don't end up starting until 8.15, and I'm not getting yelled at, and it's because we are all talking about what we are going to get into on today's show, and that, of course, is the news, and we alluded to it on our Georgia podcast. It is now officially confirmed. The ITA announcing today that the 2021 kickoff weekend and subsequent Division I ITA National Team Indoor Championships are a go. The 2021 kickoff weekend, and this is from the ITA readout, which you can all find at wearecollegetennis.com. The 2021 kickoff weekend will be held January 22nd through the 25th and will consist of seven host sites for both women and men with four team pods per site. In keeping with the innovative nature of this event, teams will select their kickoff weekend site during the kickoff weekend draft on Monday, December 7th. By the way, that's the first day of the ITA coaches convention. We will be live at that coaches convention reporting, or at least via Zoom. I think that's still live 
but believe me, I'm going to instigate. I'm going to prod and try and find juice after that draft. In addition, all dual matches being played during the weekend of January 22nd will be considered part of the kickoff weekend umbrella and an official starting date for college tennis. Of course, it goes on to announce the women's event going to be hosted at the University of Washington in Seattle. The men's event going to be hosted at the University of Illinois at the Atkins Tennis Center. What a development for the college tennis world. This is really, again, such a big, a great piece of news for all of us college tennis fans, and we have been reeling over these past eight months. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. We've heard about programs being cut, uh, you know, the uncertainty for college tennis moving forward. This feels like we're returning to normal. This is such a great sign, not only for all of us as fans, but of course for all of those athletes out there who want to get back to competing, who view the national indoors as a litmus test for the rest of the season. But of course, we have to to start with a conversation about the adjustments in the format, what that's going to mean, how the seeding projects, and we call him the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula for a reason. There's no better person to have in these moments than you, Chris Halliors. And again, it's our first few episodes. We're in the honeymoon phase, so the compliments are going to be flying your way. But you've got a new microphone for today's podcast. It feels like that is a poetic sign that we made the right decision given we have this news. Give me the breakdown. Give me your biggest reactions, your initial takeaways to the changing format and the announcement this event is happening. Wow, so many, and I'll I'll let I'll let Maddie have the the, the pleasure of diving into some, but at, at a very high level. First thought, as soon as I read it, was wow, twenty eight teams. It's going to be ridiculously competitive. No cakewalk first round match for the top seeds against number sixty five in the nation. Right, you're playing number 28 or so as the worst team uh, in, in the draw. So there will be no easy matches. Number two, the draft is to occur December 7th. The Ivy League, the last I know, has said in January they reconvened the presidents to decide what to do about the spring. So can they even be in? There are two, if not three, but two for sure Ivy League teams in Harvard and Cornell that were inside the top 28 Princeton right there on the bubble. So are they in or out? And obviously that affects other teams. And then, you know, three and probably the the big one is looking at the rankings. There never was a final published uh, ranking, if you will, right? They stopped at the one before the last set of matches and didn't want to publish final rankings for, for various reasons. So now the question is, you know, what are the final rankings and which teams from the last published looked like they're in and maybe are out and which ones look like they're out and maybe are in. And I think we have a couple of them in here to talk about most, you know, the most worthy of which on, on that front is Maddie's beloved Baylor bears. I love that we have now pivoted from my beloved Baylor Bears to Manny's beloved Baylor Bears, and we just seem like we're going to stick with that. And that's fine with me, but, you know, before we get into the teams—oh, sorry, what were you going to say, Chris? I I mean, until you're on Woodson's speed dial, they can't be your beloved Baylor Bears. (laughs) Well, we're inching closer and closer. If my notifications on Twitter are any indication, I got the like today. I appreciated that, Coach Woodson. So, you know, um, I expect a text coming your way in the next couple of days. But uh, to your first point, 
Seven host sites plus Illinois. That means there are not going to be 16 teams at the National Indoor Fields. Worth uh, reiterating this point, there are going to be eight. And so when you talk about, yeah, seven times four, great math by you as always. That's a formula right there, 28 teams. Uh, we talked about it all last season. It's a theme outside of, with all due respect, really North Carolina. The parity in college tennis between teams one and teams 30, plus you add in you know, the added uh, uncertainty of which way are the deuce points going to go in any given match. The margins are going to be so narrow. And as you mentioned, a big thing is going to be which of these teams are able to opt in, which have to opt out of this event. Plus, given that we don't know the scheduling, this is going to be a massive opportunity, especially for those teams in the lower, you know, in the 20s, in the lower 20s as well, to pick up some ranked wins, because we don't know if it's going to be 16 host sites for NCAAs, we don't know if it's going to be 8, but you can never start racking up wins and points too early. That's a lesson we have learned, you know, especially Chris, as I've talked to you, started to learn your formula. There's no, you know, there's no excuse. you got to start the moment the balls are rolled out, you got to go start getting ranked wins. But I do want to go to you now, Maddie, as well, because Chris was kind of to send us those rankings, the prohibitive names, the names that are in, the names that are out. What were the things that jumped out to you hearing again that this field is going to only be 28 teams? Yeah, no question. I mean, first and foremost, guys, let me just say this. I mean, I am super stoked that we're actually having an official kickoff Absolutely. weekend, right? I mean, we didn't know. We, we we had our doubts, and we were like, man, are we going to have it? Are we not going to have it? We're in November now. It's getting close to December. And I just, at least in my mind, I never like got to the point where I, I was realizing, okay, we actually have a chance for a kickoff weekend and to go to the national team indoors. And now we have that. So first and foremost, that's fantastic. I'm super I just want to add to that. I want to add to that quickly because I really am happy you said that. To Tim Russell, Corey Brooks, Dave Mullins, the entire ITA team, shout out to you Guys, you got the job done. I 100% agree with you, Manny. Shout out to the ITA team. Apologies for cutting you off. Yeah, absolutely. Tip of the cap to those guys. Uh, tremendous, tremendous job. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And you guys have already made a ton of great points just about, you know, the competitiveness, you know, the competitiveness of 28 teams. And, you know, I think we could see more hosts actually going down this year than maybe we ever have just because the parody, like you mentioned, I mean, there are so many good teams Hosts could be going down left and right. I mean, we don't know what those final eight teams, obviously with the exception of Illinois, um, will be there in Champaign uh, come come indoors time. But yeah, I mean, Chris kind of sent us his you know projected rankings here, and we don't know exactly how this is going to shake out. But I mean, there's a lot of teams that are on the bubble, you know, that are going to be you know kind of kind of sad if they don't have a chance to get in. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I just, I think for, for Baylor, obviously the way that I looked at this, you know, they just, they need a chance to get in. Obviously we'll talk about them later on, but just with a roster that is as loaded as the Baylor bears are, um, I just give them a chance, man. Come on. I don't care if they're, you know, a host or a four seed or whatever, get them in the tournament, let them go to work. And then we'll let the chips fall at that point. But I mean, there's other teams that are in that boat as well. It's not just Baylor. Um, you know, you look at a team like maybe a Northwestern, um, that I think is a really good squad this year. 
just let them get in, give them a chance uh, to make a run at this thing. You know, and again, Chris mentioned the Ivy Leagues. We don't know what's going to happen with those schools. Are certain teams going to have to opt out, travel restrictions? We don't know. So all we know is there's going to be 28 teams. We've got seven hosts, um, and we'll have to go from there. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, to your point, we don't know, and you talk to these coaches and you just look across other sports, being regional-based has been one of the realities that in order to uh, facilitate these matches or soccer games, football games, whatever it may be, the minimizing of travel has become so important. And will that factor into the kickoff weekend draft? It sounds like no right now, but it could. It absolutely could, and that's something to keep in mind. That being said, let's play our first game of Speculation Jones of this 2021 season. Chris, come on. There's got to be a top seven seed. There's got to be someone. Give me just the region's top of your head. And I know this is instant reaction. And now, by the way, with this happening, once we figure out the teams eligible for the draft, there will be an ITA kickoff weekend preview show. I think we can lock that in, guarantee that to our listeners. But Chris, give me the hot takes. What things jump off on your screen? Well, I mean, first, you you, you look at the teams to, likely to be hosts, what the teams that were Maybe not in the exact same order, but it really is irrelevant. As long as you're one of the seven, you're one of the seven. The teams that were seven in the last rankings the ITA put out and the ones that I think are projected to be there are still the same seven. And so you look at that, and there's two that jump out at you immediately as those are the teams everybody picks on, and that's NC State and Texas. I mean, you're looking at you know USC, North Carolina, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, NC State, TCU. Those are the two schools, and if you want to be an out, door school like say a a florida florida ends up in all likelihood outside of the hosting scenario they want to play outdoors they go pick on probably texas but but i think more the more fun questions come on who are these bubble teams that are that are in or out right like we talked about baylor baylor was 30 in the last published rankings i think they're actually in based on things that happened at the end that didn't that never got into a ranking but again that's that's a guess and that's that's there's no published ranking to show that you've got a duke team that is a bubble team that that may or may not get in we've talked about the ivy league schools but all these schools maddie talked about northwestern they're going to be right on the bubble uh you know virginia was just outside and they're probably not going to make it and what a shame to not see virginia even in the field for the kickoff uh i just you know there's going to be so many interesting takes on on who gets in and who gets out, but I think those are kind of the big. The, I mean, the Baylor question has to be the big one with with everybody they've got now. You've got to want to see them, and then let's assume they get in. Okay, so they get in. They're a they're one of the bottom seven to get in. They're playing one of the top teams, and if they're at the bottom, they're one of the last ones to get a pick. Hell, they're probably going to North Carolina, which is great yeah. for Maddie. But yep. they're not going to get a great choice. They're going to be playing an, a, you know, a top three team. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Certainly, Maddie. Any other storylines you'd add? Bring it on. Let's let's just go to Chapel Hill. I, I, I'm down for the cause. Let's just do it. Let, let's go to UNC. I live right here. I can go to the match. I'll be there, rocking some gear. Um, that'll be fun. It, it really will. I just think. Out of all the kickoff weekends, and we always get so pumped about kickoff weekend every single year, right? But even more so this year with such a, a, a shrunk down field, I like every single match is going to be so interesting to watch. Every single one. I mean, you're not going to have any of those duds 
where you've got a USC playing against, like Chris mentioned earlier, the 60th ranked team, you know, in the country or, or a North Carolina team playing against a Gardner Webb, right? Or, or somebody like that where, you know, eh, it's like, okay, we can, we can kind of skip over that one. Every single match during this kickoff is going to be fantastic. And I love that about it. And on yeah, top of shout that, out. Mm-hmm. Matt, Maddie gets to see Nick not play Will Blumberg. I mean, hey. Finally, finally. Peck Cernok or you take your choice of, you know, Zap, Kyger, Sondergaard, whatever. But it's not Blumberg. Let's go. Let's go. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I needed to hear. We'll take the win yeah. there. We'll take the dub. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll say this, Chris. There's, I, if I wasn't so sure I'm driving to Ann Arbor for that regional no matter what, I don't care what Dalton say. I don't care what Westoff says. I don't care if they're like, no, you have to broadcast this other match because we have an agreement. I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll broadcast it from the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor. Like, I just hope that's cool with you guys. Um, but look, some of the small storylines, I will just say. Uh, University of Michigan versus Texas A&M rematch in the round of 16, very possible to happen because if Stanford, if Florida, Let's say they both go to NC State. You know, Georgia starts going to TCU or Georgia goes to Texas. I mean, does A&M really want to go to Texas and have to mess with Georgia right away? Like, that's one of the things that's interesting to me. Oh, you think they do? Yes. Uh, Absolutely, they do. Okay. Well, then we can scrap that, but I thought that was interesting. I mean, what A&M, does A&M make it back to the indoors back-to-back years? We think they're a team that can do some really special things this season. What does the Stanford team look like? They're going to get early tests, clearly, as they have that first pick of regions. Uh, and then, of course, God willing, as you guys mentioned, we get a Baylor-UNC opening weekend match. I mean... We're dri- we probably – how about this? I'll drive to Ann Arbor for Friday, and then I'll drive down back to Louisville, Chris, and then you can drive, and I'll be sleeping the entire time and doing the other things I do on car rides, and we'll make it to Chapel Hill in time for the match. <laughs> I'm game, man. I'm game. Yeah, we'll pick Trevor up in the RV along the way, too. We can stop in Virginia. It's not it's not that far off from North Carolina. It's on the way. But, yeah, uh, again, I, I bring up the University of Michigan. That's a perfect segue. I bring up the University of Michigan. I, I can always get it back to Michigan, but this feels like a perfect time since we since I brought them up. Anyways, leave it all in, West stuff. Uh, to make our transition, the reason we came here today on the show, and, of course, again, we will continue to talk about uh, the national indoors. We will do a kickoff draft show. We will give more details as they become more apparent. But we also want to get all of you ready for this 2021 ITA season. Continue our College Contender Series, breaking down our top 10 or top 11, as you know, teams heading into this season. And of course, we get to our second team on the list, the team tied for 10th. We are talking about the University of Michigan Wolverines today. Westoff, give me that College Contender sound effect, please. All right, Maddie, let's start with the question we like to start with, the question that is certainly to bring a smile to my face. In fact, we may actually just stop the show after this question. 2019, one of the biggest winners of the first two months of the year, first 10 weeks of the season, unequivocally, you guys can talk all your smack about this year's team, unequivocally, I'm taking my victory lap right now. Actually, Maddie, this isn't a question. This is just a statement for you. 2019-2020 season, the University of Michigan, that it was 
They go 4-3. They lose their first match to NC State from there. This miraculous run, just pulling 4-3 matches out of their derriere. I mean, you look at it. 4-3 over Texas Tech. 4-3 over Mississippi to advance to uh, the national indoors then. You know, a set in, what was it, 5-1 or 5-2 or something crazy down. Uh, they Styler comes back. They beat A&M. They beat Texas. They're up 3-1 on USC. They win five first sets in the match. I don't even care what happened at Oklahoma State. At that point, we were all worried about coronavirus, so throw that match out the window. We're going to say 14-2 and two with an asterisk. Just kidding. It was 14-3. and three. But, Maddie, 2020, an unequivocal step forward for Coach Steinberg and my Wolverines. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's no question. Look, Ruskin, I mean, this was – it was a fantastic season up to – the point where it got cut off, right? Everything that they were doing was great. Uh, they, I think it's it's very fair to say that Michigan was absolutely one of the very top teams in the country based on what we saw last year. Now, we missed most of the season, right? So, I mean, we don't know what would have happened, but based on what we did see, the indoor portion of the season, uh, Michigan was fantastic. I mean, I know the highlight of your, your year, the highlight maybe of your life, was actually seeing <laughs> Michigan roll to that semifinal match against USC where you were broadcasting um, at the national team indoors. I mean, that was a run where most people just didn't see that coming. I mean, when you had teams like Texas and A&M and all of these other squads, Michigan comes in. They relied on their doubles play, which has always been fantastic, by the way. Michigan historically has been a very good doubles team. Um, but they just played really well. And and the one thing that I really think about with this team last year, and even more so this year, guys, is experience, right? That's the word that comes to mind. Last year, this was a very experienced, veteran-laced Michigan Wolverines team. Now, the nice thing is for Gruskin, everybody's back. So if we thought they were experienced last year, they're even more experienced this year, and I think that's going to help them out, at least initially, in the beginning portion of the season. So, yeah, last year was fantastic, man. I mean, they didn't really get into Big Ten play. I think they played one match, beat Penn State um, for one of their their one conference victory. But everything that they did leading up to, you know, the indoors and, and after that, um, fantastic season for Coach Steinberg. Yeah, and I, I will try my best not to raise, you know, not to – rave too much about this Michigan team, but Chris, we were on the ground, and I still argue our 2017 Club Tennis Regional Championship was the most impressive Michigan performance in the Nielsen Tennis Center in Wisconsin, but that's an argument we can hold for a different day. I mean, Chris, we talked to Coach Steinberg, and that's an interview all of you listeners are going to be able to hear, obviously, as a part of this series, and he talked about the differences between this team and maybe, you know, the the 2018 team, the one that made the NCAA round of 16 and looked kind of good for the first hour of their match against UCLA before ultimately losing. And that team had two studs at the top of their lineup. Alex Knight, Leo Hua were two of the top 20 players in the country. They both did really special things their senior year. But talking to Coach Steinberg, Chris, he mentioned it. There was something about this team. There was a fearlessness quality. And I really think that did have to do with some of the youth filtering in. The fact that Andrew Fenty was one of the top juniors 
in the country his entire career. He thinks he belongs at number one singles next to anyone else. The fact that Andre Styler, one of the top juniors in the in the world, he comes in, he's not afraid of anyone. He's playing two singles. He's like, please, I'm going to do my thing, hit you off the court. It doesn't matter what the score is. Now, it helps when you win, you know, four, seven, six in the third matches in a row, but there did just seem to be this intangible quality about last year's Michigan team, and Coach Steinberg talked about it. I don't know. Again, I'm so biased. So, Chris, you you saw the same matches I did. I mean, they were up 3-1 on USC. I can't reiterate that enough. And it really did feel for like five minutes, much like the 2016 election did for Democrats, the 2020 election did for Republicans. You're like, oh, my God, my guy's going to win. Now, they didn't win, ultimately, but still— I don't know. Did did you see it with last year's team, or did you think it was a little bit of an indoor mirage? Well, I've, now that you have to throw that in. I mean, yeah, no, no. Look, I, mean, so, I just so wanted we'll to start bias with you. The, we'll start with the former. And, and I'll actually say, before I say anything, because I know, you know Coach Steinberg and probably all the guys are going to listen to this. So, guys, everything I say and poking at you, I'm really just poking at Gruskin the, for the next time. <laughs> Not you. You guys are great. I, I wish you the best. All, all of this, all of this stuff is pointed at Gruskin. Beatty so, family. Chris so, loves you. That's really the key. He loves the Beatty family. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but no, they, I mean, at indoors, they they were phenomenal. I mean, he, they even had to over like Seymour was sick and you know out of match and and somehow they were pulling off these crazy wins. You mentioned the, I mean, the Styler over Aguilar match, right? Five, I believe it was five one, right? I mean, where where that came from, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I, I think you're right. You know, I'm a, I'm, I am a firm, firm believer in the, the mental part of that and the old Henry Ford, hey, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right, right? And that's, that's if you have any doubt at all, right, it, that's, that's not going to help. And these guys definitely are in the, hey, we think we can every match. It doesn't matter who they play. And that's kind of that fearlessness that you talked about. Not that, you know, Alex Knight didn't have the same kind of confidence, but – uh, but yeah, these guys, I think, you know, they they truly believed, uh, and you know, you got the same group, you've got the same group back. So all you're looking for is to do what everybody else has done and get a little bit better over the over the off season in the summer and and this fall and come back and and be ready to go. So, uh, you know, to your last point, sure, I'll, I will always until they prove otherwise throw that indoors asterisk right we got one match outdoors <laughs> oklahoma state oh that was ugly right um but you know that's something you work through now you got it you got you got another year behind you and, and a chance to to maybe get that one out of the way but uh, but yeah there's they're in, they're definitely controlling their own destiny they've got a team that can play with anybody and they know they can Mm-hmm. And let's get into that roster. You start to talk about it, Maddie. We brought at we. Sorry, it's going to happen inevitably. It happened on the podcast with Steinberg so frequently. At one point, I was like, you know, we had a really good 2018. We made the round of 16, and I just kept doing it. And then I realized afterwards, and I was like, I was like, can I do it? I I kind of asked him, and he was like, no, that's fair. Like you can roll with we. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to. But you look at the roster again. You get every contributor back from the lineup. You get Fenty. You get Styler. You get Seymour. You get Johnston. You get Beatty. You have a healthy Patrick Maloney, who we'll talk about the results he's put up this fall, this summer in a little bit. But the key is you get everyone back and then you add in a recruit. And so when you look at this roster from top to bottom, Maddie, again, you know what you're going to get. And I think that's a really good thing, especially in a year with so much uncertainty in it. This team knows, you know, it knows what it's got to do on the court to find its way to four points. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really do. I like the roster. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, every kind of component is there. I mean, talent, you've got a little bit of youth, a little bit of experience all around. I really do. I do like the roster and the addition of Jacob Bickersteth, I think is, is going to be a nice one. Um, I mean, big time blue chip recruit coming in. Uh, he's going to be able to, to fill in, I think if called upon now, there's so many other veteran guys. I don't know the opportunities that he may get right off the bat because he's going to be so new to college tennis. Um, but I think that was a great addition and everybody comes back. Um, they're looking good, man. They, they really are. They're a confident team. And I like how Chris said that, you know, you, you believe you can and you can, right? So that's one thing that I've always noticed about, about Michigan, just watching them play over the course of, I mean, several years now. They just, they believe. It's like they're out to prove to people, hey, we are one of the elite programs in college tennis. And every time they take the court, it looks like they're trying to prove that. So I, I do like the attitude. And I, I overall, I like the makeup of the team. I really do. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's fair. And look, I think uh, something if you follow the UTRs closely enough, as a power six, as a lineup, if you can get to that 80 number, that's when you start to be elite, right? When you're over 80, that's when you start to get into the Ohio States, the UNCs, the USCs of the world. It's this combination of not only power at the top, but depth as well. And look, when you compare Michigan to Ohio State, there's still a two and a half point UTR deficit. When you compare them even to someone like Stanford with all the talent Stanford brought in, also same deal. It's like a two and a half point deficit, but you can't coach experience. You can't coach uh, continuity and we were both there, and this sort of gets into the projected lineup, so we can start talking about that right away, Chris. The biggest reason this Michigan team had success last year, and it came out of nowhere, and it shocked all of us, but it's worth repeating once again, Nick Beattie was about as sure of a point as you could find through the indoor portion of the year at number five singles. He goes 12-3 and three overall at dual matches, and at the indoors, he had to step up and play four singles because, as you mentioned, Seymour was out. It didn't make a difference. He went 1-0 and at three, 2-0 and at four, 8-3 and three at five, 1-0 and in six. It was just that opened up the match calculus for them because it was win doubles point, have Beattie, Fenty, obviously Styler did a lot of things, and then, you know, they still could find one more at times. I don't know. When you look at this lineup, you start projecting into this 2021 season. Do you think we're going to see them almost run it back? Yeah, I mean, I expect to see, I mean, honestly, I expect to see a very similar start to the season for them that they, that they had last year. You got the same guys back. They've got, uh, you know, like you said, you add Bicker stuff. I look at this team and, you know, we did yesterday, we talked about Georgia and I look at them in a very similar manner lineup-wise to Georgia where I'm pretty sure we know our top three, right? I mean, we certainly know yeah. our top two. I can't imagine it's not Seymour at three. So I'm pretty sure we've got our top three. And then we've kind of got four guys going for the next spots. And they're in my mind, you know, and they're, so they're seven deep. And that's with Bickersteth, the, the new guy in there. Now, sure— Maybe Fu or younger Seymour or Harry Brown gets a match here or there, but but on the you know in the long run that lineup the, those last four guys in in you know BD Johnston Maloney and Bickersteth they're going to be the four guys playing in in some order or another and to the point you made yesterday especially this year or maybe Maddie made with things that are, are going to be uh, you know just pandemic related someone's someone's going to be out at some point right and 
now more than ever, you need depth of at least one extra guy, whether it's injury, whether it's getting sick, whether it, you know, you just, you're not sick, but you were near somebody that was sick and now you're not allowed to play. Right. I mean, anything can happen. So, so the, having that extra guy in the lineup is, is going to be very beneficial. And yeah, I think that, you know, BD is again going to be very crucial. I, you know, we, we start talking about the lineup, I think, and, and I'll let you get into more of the details, but obviously the guy in the off season that really had just shined uh, in the fall was Pat Maloney. Unbelievable mm-hmm. fall for him. And it, and it brings to, to me the question of how, how far up do you move the guy? He's definitely in the line. He's not battling for six anymore. He's solidly in the lineup. So hold the Maloney thought because that's a really good one. And as always, you beat me to the point, which just makes me so upset. You're freaking 72 years old, AARP recipient, and it's like I can't beat you to the point. I'm just kidding. I saw you on the bike, Chris. I saw those calves. They're nice. They're nice. But look— I want to take this question to you, Matt, because again, I'm, I, we saw it happen. But I'm curious, from a, with a you know a degree of separation, and I was just in Chris's ear all national indoors. Literally, he had headphones where my voice would be streamed into his ear the entire match. But um, you look Sorry, at Fenty and Seymour. Yeah, apologies to you. You look at Fenty and Seymour. Whether it was the Columbia match, whether it was the Mississippi match, whether it was A and M, whether it was you know in the quarterfinals against Texas, Fenty and Seymour were the ones who came through. And obviously, Fenty All-American last year, Seymour, you could argue the best freshman in the country. When you stack them up with other top twos, because for me, this is where Michigan has the case to be elite. This is where I think I, this is where my bias comes in, but why I think they can be elite. I think I would take Andre Styler over any number two singles player in the country now that it's not Holt Kukerman at USC. And I think Andrew Fenty can beat anyone in the country. Now, when you're reliant on getting wins from your top two, that becomes that makes things quarterfinals, semifinals very, very difficult. And that's a different conversation we'll get to. But when you look at Fenty and Styler, is it a stretch? I mean, to say they're the top duo, that might be a stretch. But top three, top five, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, you're you're reaching a little bit here, Gruskin. I mean, look, I love Fenty and Styler. I really do. I mean, I would feel good putting them out there against anybody, but they're not the top duo. They're 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 really not. I yeah, mean, there look, are you could make it Blumberg and me, and Blumberg's still the top duo. But I'm saying, <laughs> like, outside of that, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have an argument. I mean, right? They're they're up there with some of the best one-two combos in the country. I will give you that. There's no question. Um, you know, Andre Styler at number two. Again, and he plays such an aggressive game. We need, like, we haven't seen him outdoors, right? Everything that we've seen from him has been indoors. And I don't want to, you know, beat that dead horse. But, again, he's still young, right? So we, we haven't seen an entire season out of Andre Styler. But I do like him. I really do like his game. And I think he's going to be fantastic. And Fenty's just continued to improve. I mean, this is a guy that came in as a very, very good junior player. You know, and, and he came into college and, and his results were okay. They were a little bit mixed, but I mean, he's really gotten good. And, and this guy, again, has proven that he is one of the top players in the country. So I love that combination. And again, I'll also throw Seymour in there at number three, because when you're looking at just the whole top half of the lineup, similar to our conversation about Georgia yesterday, when you can throw your top three out there and say, okay, let's just win two of these. Because if we can win doubles, 
that's three points, and all we have to do is win one match at four through six. And Michigan has the depth and the experience to do that. Yeah, that's why I like this Michigan team. That's why I think I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys because for me, and it's also I've seen them so many times, the match calculus is just so clear to me. Like week in, week out, match in, match out, what do they need to do to get to four points? I think it's pretty clear. And, you know, Chris, this is where I want to get back to the Patrick Maloney uh, aspect as well. But first to hear your thoughts on that. Fenty and Styler. We saw them in person. And I think Styler has outdoor power. And when I say that, I mean, there are people, you know, who indoors are just going to smack the cover off the ball. It's going to look very easy, whatever. Outdoors, they begin to suffer. That is not going to be the case for Styler. It doesn't matter the court you put him on. He's hitting through it. When you look at this top two, again, A, how do you think they compete with the other top teams? And then B, you know, the flip side, do they have the depth to be a top five school as well? Well, from a top two perspective, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here looking at you know last last year's rankings and outside of the obvious, right, North Carolina, who you're going to favor Blumberg and Seguin over anybody as as a top two, you expect them to go two and zero. Outside of that, you're looking at the other teams, USC with no Holt, yeah, you're very, I mean, you're you're looking at a very good odds on split, right? Texas lost their top two, they're out. Ohio State, that's probably the most interesting because not, you know, it's a conference match. So McNally, Kingsley, Fenty, Fenty and uh, Styler, I still like your chances of at least, a, you know, a split there. And then NC State, sure, you should lose to Lexi, but you should win it too. TCU, no, they're, you know, no big favorite over them. Stanford, uh, maybe, maybe I say Stanford's got the edge. Florida, Riffis, and then Valley. A M. No, A and M. That's a split. A and M. You take any of the top two, two of three. Vashiro, Habib, Aguilar. I like my chances of a split there. Georgia, a split. So yeah, I think I'm going down the list. Going, yeah, I'm thinking that other than maybe two schools, I call them yeah a split in the top two at worst. And the reason I say this is because, again, match calculus. The num- the race is to four points. It doesn't matter if you lose three flights 0-0. If you can win four points, you win the dual match. And I don't think anyone's taught us that more than Ty Tucker. But, you know, you look, you like that little subtle dig at a Buckeye during the Michigan pod? Come on. I didn't actually mean that. I just thought I'd try and work it in to make sure everyone was paying attention. But, you know, because, Chris, I saw you tweeting during the podcast, and I'm like, oh, we've lost Chris. Um, but anyways. I us Ty taught you how to get to four every time they played you. <laughs> Two things can be true. Two things can be true. Um, but look, what I like about this team is no matter who they're playing, here's the here's the calculus. It's you get the doubles point, you're up 1-0. You get one of number one or number two singles, probably number two in those elite matches. Now you're at two points. Can you find two more? And that, Chris, is where Patrick Maloney comes in. And we joked about this with Coach Steinberg. And by the way, we asked about all of these guys. And you know, for Andrew Fenty, the key is can he perform the same against... DePaul as he does against Ohio State. Can he, you know, the freshman year he beats J.J. Wolf in that Big Ten conference, it was like, whoa. National indoors last year, whoa. Can he be that player day in, day out for Michigan? They're going to need them to be if he wants to be top five. But the guy we circled and we saw him at National Indoors when he was healthy, he almost won his match against USC, Chris, and that's Patrick Maloney, who's legitimately grown four inches since his freshman year of college. And, you know, 
can you you know it seems like from the results he put up this summer Chris is the guy who you know if he's playing three and Seymour's at four now Seymour's in the conversation with the best four singles players in the country and I don't know if Maloney's going to be that good and challenge for that spot on the roster yet but he has had a good fall hasn't he oh he's had I mean he's had a tremendous fall and yeah I think I certainly to start the year you you have to be playing Seymour at three and then I don't even know if you play Maloney at four yet right do you but you've got all kinds of options I mean do you go back to Connor Johnston who you had there but Maloney is certainly capable but I I actually kind of like the attitude of make him prove it in the dual match season and maybe kind of a sneaky lock down at five or six to guarantee you know if you're with your match calculus take doubles split the top two and you've got two if you can get a lock at five or six with Maloney, that's three. Now you just need Johnston or somebody, you know, or Beatty at the four or five spot. But yeah, I mean, Maloney has had some great matches over the fall that we that we've talked about. I mean, he beat he beat Cannon Kingsley, I recall. Uh, he he beat Gianni Ross. Uh, I mean, he's had he's had some great matches. He's beaten his own teammates, right? They played some tournaments where he got to play Beatty and he beat him. He beat Bickersteth. So. Uh, he beat Alex Brown from Illinois. Uh, I mean, just a great fall for, for Pat Maloney. Yeah, I, I think he is going to be the inflection point player on this roster. If he is healthy, if he develops the way it seems like he's going to in the fall, then this team seriously has a chance. Quarterfinals maybe even better given the recipe they have. And I promise we're going to do a deep dive on all of the players, uh, all of these teams the same way we are for Michigan. This is not a bias. Hopefully you noticed that in the Georgia podcast. I am going to give my hottest take, though, about this Michigan team. And, you know, it, it's, it hurts me to say. It doesn't even hurt me to say, to be honest, because, you know, Connor Johnson is someone I grew up with. That's not just someone I got to know while he was at Michigan. That's someone who I grew up, you know, seeing in the juniors. Obviously, he was way better than me, but I've known him for a significant amount of time. And I think we would all agree, honestly, since his first year playing with Malik, he's probably been a top. 10, top 15, certainly doubles player in the country, that backhand swinging volley, unlike anything else you'll see. And what he means to the team emotionally, what he does for them on the court, just the energy boost he gives them, point in, point out. You know you're going to hear him screaming on whatever flight he's at. That's invaluable, immeasurable. It doesn't matter even if he wins his match. You know, A, he's probably going to always get to a third set, particularly indoors. B, that just that boost. You know you have Connor fighting out there. That means so much to every person on the team. But I've seen a lot of Jacob Bickerstaff, and Jacob Bickerstaff is really, really good. And I think he is your perfect six singles player. And I've seen a lot of Nick Beatty, and we saw what Nick Beatty did at five singles. And, you know, Connor beating more bullets, having the indoor run he did, it was amazing. And I just think, I really do think, and this, again, if Connor plays, this is not a, it's, it, it's a really good choice for Coach Steinberg to have because Connor has earned his right to be in the singles lineup. But I do think the best version of this team and the team we see at the end of the year does, of course, feature Connor Johnston's at either the number one or number two doubles position with Styler. But I don't know that we see him at the end of the year in singles. And so, you know, we've talked about the projected lineup. Let's just do it right now, Maddie. Give me what you think this Wolverines roster looks like down the home stretch. Yeah, I, I will hear, but that's really not that much of a hot take, Gruskin. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that, actually, uh, okay? I, I'm with you there. I, I love Connor Johnston just because, like you mentioned, and I'm not, even, I'm not even a Michigan fan, right? But when you're watching them play a dual match, his energy, 
is all over the place. Whether you're cheering for Michigan or you're against them, it doesn't matter. He pops out all the time, and he's fantastic at doubles. So he brings a whole lot more to the team than just his skill, right, on the tennis court. I agree with you there. That is not totally a hot take. I think that's a pretty decent take from you. Um, But in terms of my lineup, I think it's obvious. I mean, the top three, we don't, there's no discussion here. For me, it's very clearly Fenty, Styler, Seymour in that order. Fenty one, Styler two, Seymour three. There's, there's going to be no changes to that. Now, four through six is where it really gets interesting because honestly, I don't have a clue because it could be anybody. You could play Connor Johnson at four, like, like we did last year. And then you've got you know, maybe Maloney at five and Nick Beattie at six. I mean, that looks good, right? How about how about your five and six there? Or do you pull Connor Johnston and maybe you move Maloney to four, which we know he can play four, so that's fine. Play Maloney at four, Nick Beattie at five, and Jacob Bickerstaff at six, which I think is the lineup that you ideally would want to see out there, Gruskin, at least towards the end of the season. So I don't know, man. I really don't know. I mean, Steinberg, it's going to come down to coaching and and who he feels like, you know, gives him the best chance. Maybe the lineup switches indoors. Connor Johnston's in there and then we go outdoors and he switches it and says, okay, you know, we're going to mix things up. So I think one through three are very, very clear. Fenty, Styler, Seymour, and then four through six. It's your, like Chris alluded to earlier, it's going to come down to Johnston, Beattie, Maloney, and Bickerstaff. Yeah, I agree with you. And Chris, I'll give you a second as well because I want to hear your thoughts. But the reason we haven't talked much about doubles, look, Fenty and Seymour, All-Americans last year. And we talked to Coach Steinberg. They're staying together at one. To have Connor Johnson at two doubles with anyone, let alone Andre Styler, you absolutely love that team if you're Michigan. And in fact, you look last year, Fenty and Seymour, 13-2. and two, Styler uh, and Johnston, 10-3 and three during the dual match season. Then at three doubles, you figure it out. Beattie, you know, Bickerstaff. Uh, whether it's Maloney, whatever it may be, they have plenty of time to figure out that three doubles position, but that's pretty stable. You know, honestly, if Patrick Maloney starts out the year at six, if they keep the lineup exactly the same as they did, I think that's fine. If you're a Michigan fan, now the match calculus becomes, okay, we win doubles, we win six singles, now we just need to find two more, and we think we're going to get a split of the top two, now we just need one more. Fine with me. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on this Michigan lineup? Well, I, so I think we see, obviously, Fenty Styler 1-2, Seymour 3. Then it gets interesting. I don't. I do like your take on Connor Johnston, and I think that by the end of the season that Coach Steinberg finds himself in a spot where he plays Johnston in, in, based on situations. It's situational playing. So if he's got a guy where Connor working his way forward, coming to the net like he did with more bullets is gives is the best chance that he's got to win that match. He plays Connor in that match. But, uh, but I do think that, yeah, he probably, he may be, uh, you know, a 50, 50 guy coming down the stretch as to whether he's playing or not, but to start the year in January, right off the bat, I think you got to have him in the lineup to start and, and then make, you know, make Bickerstaff show that he, that he belongs to be there. I so I think we see. I still got to lean. By the time we get to kickoff, and maybe they get uh, a little bit under their belt, I think we we do get to see Maloney at four. Uh, but 
but I think when we start the year, it's going to be BD four, uh, Johnston five, Maloney six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, when you look at the UTRs right now, it would go Styler, Fenty, Seymour, Maloney, Beatty, Bickerstaff, Johnston. And, you know, we are not slaves to UTR, at least me and Matt aren't. Um, but, you know, we, we like to use it to supplement all of the info. And it's funny because now I want to talk about where they're at in terms of the rest of their conference. And they're number three. In term, compared to Illinois and Ohio State. Now, right now, Illinois has Kofasevich in their lineup. You take him out and you adjust to the lineup that you actually expect to see. Uh, you put in even the top five, uh, six UTRs without Kofasevich. Michigan edges up to a slight favorite, but it's only by point, uh Point two two over Illinois, so it's really a toss up by UTR. As I mentioned earlier, they're about a two and a half UTR point UTR underdog against Ohio State. Yet it does feel like right now it's a two team race. It feels like it's Ohio State and Michigan. We need to see from Illinois how they bounce back. I'll start with you, Chris. Is that fair? Yeah, totally fair. I mean, you know, we talked about this before. Is is Illinois? was was last year the year that just everything that could go wrong could so this year is going to be exactly the opposite and they're going to be just on fire or was was last year because of some deeper rooted issues maybe guys not really into it and that doesn't go away because it's the same guys i don't know that that remains to be seen so until they can show us yeah we're you know last year was the fluke and and not the norm uh it's the norm until you tell me otherwise so yeah i think definitely you come into the year feeling like it's Ohio State, Michigan, even though you look on paper and it looks like Michigan and Illinois are sitting there right next to each other. I apologize to Presley Thienemann's Northwestern Wildcats. I know they're not his, but those are our boys now, so i got to give them a shout-out. But, Maddie, your thoughts on how the Big Ten will unfold? Yeah, I mean, Illinois is a talented team, right, guys? I mean, they really do have some talent, especially if Kova plays. And, and I haven't gotten any confirmation whether or not he is really coming back. Um, so that's obviously going to make a huge difference. I mean, no Kova, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're out of that running. But I think with him, don't sleep on Illinois. I mean, because if they do show up to play, which they didn't do last year, you know, it's a whole different season now. So I do like the talent on that roster, but Michigan should be number two, I think, in, in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm not picking against Ohio State. Ty Tucker will win the Big Ten like he always does, um, and I'm pretty confident about that. But Michigan, when you look at it, I, I think they'll finish in second. I do. Yeah, I mean— Look, we'll get to learn a lot more about this Illinois team at the National Indoors, right? As they're the eighth team, they're the host site. It's at the University of Illinois, so they go directly in. I feel like Zeke Clark is just Kyle Selig with worse press. Like, it's just like he didn't hire the right PR people. Selig is around the right people, so he gets all the rub. You know, Zeke Clark could also be 30 years old by the end of this season. It's unclear. Um, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just poking fun. I like to poke fun. My inner Wolverine is showing, but... Look, I think last year, safety, health, COVID, very serious, canceling tennis, right decision, all of those prefaces. Last year was the year for Michigan. That Ohio State team, yeah, they ended up making, what was it, semifinals of the national indoors before losing uh, to USC, but that team felt young and vulnerable in a way they really hadn't in, what, five years? I mean, yeah, they had McNally, but in Kingsley, Trotter, Boulay, uh, Cash at six singles, they had a lot of unproven players in their singles lineup. All of those players are 
are a year more experienced, plus you add into the mix a freshman recruit in J.J. Tracy, who could absolutely have the same sort of impact as an Andre Styler did, only they can afford to play him four, five, maybe even six singles to start out the year. That being said, that being said, that being said, how am I not going to pick my Wolverines to win the Big Ten this season? To, for me to not pick them would be the most disrespectful act I could do on the podcast. It would condemn them to a disappointing season, I, or maybe having high expectations will condemn them to an even worse season, but these are my guys, and you stick with your guys. We here at Cracked Rackets between, believe in two things, looking good, feeling good, and playing good with our friends at Midwest Sports Aero Bar and Cracked Rackets, but more importantly, we believe in loyalty. I think the Wolverines win the Big Ten. Chris, let's hear your predictions. I mean, come on. All right. We certainly can't promote any sort of legitimate gambling here, but what are we going to wager? And there's got to be something. <laughs> no, I we mean, can wager a dinner, a dinner between friends. Now, if I'm paying, it's Chick-fil-A, but it's still a dinner. No. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm paying, it's uh, it's uh, Chris. Uh, it's a yeah. uh, St. Elmo's, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a yeah. cocktail there now that you're in Indy. But uh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's I mean there's going to have to be a total collapse in Columbus for for that to happen. I mean, as you a, a total if, collapse? Yeah. If for no reason other than the fact that you've added when you add JJ Tracy to that lineup who okay, by the time we get to the Big 10 tournament, he's no worse than 3 in that lineup. Okay? Yeah. I mean, maybe four. Yeah, and that would yeah, may, maybe, but yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be there, and and then so that means you're playing, you know, uh, you're playing C League Trotter Boulay at four, five, six. If you do it, yeah, okay, C League's three, so he's four. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that that lineup's just it's it's so hard to find a spot to beat them at that you're going to you're going to have to have the mat you know a great match like there's a reason that you're a two and a half point UTR dog to them uh and and they're great at doubles too so uh i still i would still say i'll give i'll give michigan the edge uh in a doubles match but it's pretty close to 50-50 i i still don't see that happening it's you know ohio state wins the big 10 now i will say yeah. this maddie if we go and we actually get to cover indoors, and I got for hope now that we've said now that we know there is an indoors, hopefully the, there's still you know fans, or even if there's no fans, somehow we we volunteer for testing and everything else that's necessary, and we get to do the coverage like we did last year for the play-by-play. There's only eight teams. There's a really good likelihood of me getting totally annoyed with the fact that there's three Big Ten teams, and all I hear about is that from Gruskin the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, I didn't because even think high, about that. I mean, Illinois is automatic <laughs> and very likely that Ohio State and Michigan both win their own region. Yeah, three out of three out of the eight teams. I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't actually think about that until just now. That that's uh, a crazy thought. Yeah, that is that would be interesting. But you know what, Big Ten. I mean, it's indoor season. That that's where they belong, right? I mean, if they're ever going to shine, if that conference is ever going to bring it. It would be that time of year, so, you know, it's not totally yep. far-fetched. 
Yeah. Yeah, you guys are making a lot of sense. I have nothing to add to that brilliant point by Chris there. I agree. There should be three teams at the National Indoors from the Big Ten. That was a really, really good take. Well, then, with that in mind, let's end with some predictions. We gave our takes on conference, but let's look broader nationally. You look at our Cracked Rackets rankings, and again, we aggregate our three polls. You both have Michigan at number 11. I have Michigan at number 6, of course, feels like my vote always gets an outsized importance. I apologize for that, but it just ended up working out. They tied with Georgia. Where do you see this team ending up nationally? Is it, uh, again, you have talked about them having a hot, both of you have talked about a hot start at indoors and then sort of cooling off as we go outside. Just give me your predictions. Where do you think this team ends up? We'll start with you, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to stick with kind of our our ranking and have them finishing just on the outside of a quarterfinal berth at the NCAA tournament. Now, you know, I, I like Georgia better. Chris and I both had Georgia ranked a little bit higher on our rankings. Um, so I think Georgia can be that quarterfinal team and make that top eight finish. Ah, I just, right now, I think... I can pick eight teams outdoors at the end of the season that I will put in there ahead of Michigan. So um, I'm going to have them finishing just on the outside of a quarterfinal berth. Mm -hmm. Chris, same question to you. Yeah, the interesting thing here is there's a difference between how far you're going to go in the tournament, where where you're going to end up in the tournament, where you're going to be in the rankings. I think Michigan stands to have a very good chance at being higher in the rankings, A, because now we're going to get a, a a better indoor season, if you will, more opportunity, because with the limited number of teams uh, in the field, they're going to get a better first-round match. That's another ranked win to throw on the resume. So potentially two, two good ranked wins, one of which would be much better than it would have been in a 64-team field, uh, or a 60-team field, if you will, in the normal ITA kickoff. And then uh, only eight teams at indoors, so you're play- basically getting a cu- several three matches with top eight teams, more chances. But I still come back to by the time we actually get into the outdoor season and we play the tournament, and you actually have to win those matches to get to the quarterfinals. I don't think they get to the quarterfinals. I think they get to that round of sixteen, uh, and and then they end up losing the round of sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look. I liked your first take, you know, your prior one, three Big Ten teams at the National Indoors, a lot better than that one. Uh, I'm going to stick with, I I believe in this Michigan team. I think the continuity they have, the belief they have in one another, it doesn't matter the circumstances in a year where things are going to be funky. I can promise you if they're playing in Ann Arbor, they're playing in Columbus, they're playing in you know uh in champagne anywhere across the globe you're going to hear the go blues wherever you are in the building and i think in a year like this that matters more than ever so I do think this is a team that can make the NCAA quarterfinals. Now, I think, you know, if they're the eight seed and they match up with number one seed in North Carolina, they can't probably go further than that. And so it's tough to predict beyond the semifinals or quarterfinals at this point. But I do think this is a team that's going to be in the top 10 from start to finish of the year. I think they are going to get off to a strong start indoors. And then from there, hopefully I'll be able to just go... 
to you guys all season long as they continue to rack up results. But it's going to be a really exciting season in Ann Arbor. And again, to read more about the Michigan Wolverines this year, go check out Matt's article on our website, crackrackets.com. Go check out the interview Chris and I did with head coach Adam Steinberg of this University of Michigan team. It's a very, very fun conversation. I know all of you will enjoy. One last thing before we go, and I want to go Matt, then Chris on this. Carry Challenger this week. We saw Blumberg losing three to Torp. We saw uh, a lot of other fun matches. Galarno beats Mackie McDonald in three sets. Your initial takeaways from Carry? Yeah, it's it's been a fun tournament, man. I'm just sad that I'm not there because usually I'm at that tournament you know, every single year watching all the action and, you know, I've been having to stream some of it. Uh, shout out to Garrett Johns. Duke Blue Devil was able to beat Noah Rubin uh, first round there. That was a big time win for Garrett. So happy for him. And yeah, just a lot of, a lot of good results. I mean, I love watching these guys, Nakashima over, over, uh, Ty Kwiatkowski. Great win for Brandon. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the tournament. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I agree, Chris. Same question to you. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun watching. I you know I I love Will Blumberg was you know was kind of clearly kind of pulling for him even though you know both got both both of those guys college guys, but uh, that was a rough one to go down in the end. But the Nakashima I, that's a great a great match coming up with Lexi and Nakashima in, in the second round. Uh, you know, and then and other college guys. Maddie mentioned Garrett Johns. You had Chris Eubanks knocking off Christian Harrison. Uh, he gets Michael Moe next. So um, yeah, it's 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 fun. I was cut. the other guy that I was really rooting for was Roberto Sid. He wasn't able to make it out of his first round match, but uh, we got to see a lot of him in Ann Arbor last year, Alex. But yeah, I mean, it's how good is it to have have big time tennis outside of even college back in the United States for the first time? And we you have a Jack crazy. Sox sighting. Jack Sock. Jack Sock, yeah. You got to bring that up. What's crazy, Chris, is that Ann Arbor Challenger was this year. That was in January of this year. I'm like, what a different life. I was still working in Ann Arbor. You're like, hey, I have this project. I was like, okay, we should probably start hanging out when you're in Ann Arbor. No way. That was this year? January of this year. That's what I'm saying. That was this calendar year. I feel like that was like last October. I, it was. I know it feels like a cycle ago. It literally feels like it was six seasons ago. But yeah, that was this year. Wow. I know wow. it's crazy to believe. It absolutely is. Yeah, I. I will just say this since we're gonna get to see him again. It was a great reminder. The inside-in forehand of Will Blumberg. It's just elite. Like his ability to find a forehand on that wing and hit it inside in over the highest part of the net. I'm just every time I'm just like, oh my god. And yeah. You know, he can miss from time to time. He's certainly going to go for his shot play on his terms, but it was very, very fun. And again, we'll continue to watch that unfold, and we will be continuing our College Contender Series here over these next 10 weeks again to help get all of you ready for the 2021 ITA season. Kickoff Draft Podcast we'll have to do sometime over these next few weeks before we hit November, uh, December 7th. And then, of course, again, we will rock and roll into this 2021 college tennis year. If you have missed any of our content, be sure to go check out our website, crackedrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the 
of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings. if you want to get in on the action before this season ends just go to dkng.co slash cracked open but with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Stokowiak and Chris Halioris, our super producers, Max Flieger and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Fellas, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great, great shot. shot. That was beautifully in sync, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.